Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Ooh, hello, hello. Hope that you are happy, healthy, and safe wherever you are today. And uh, listening to that traffic, it's not too bad. Little slow spots, and we are so fortunate here in Chicago to be having pretty much a heat wave. I'm wearing, I'm wearing. Uh, I don't know if they're they're not quite shorts. I mean, yeah. How do you not in this weather just kind of enjoy the fact that it is a balmy fifty? It was fifty three degrees when I came in, and it's it's actually going to stay that way till about one or two in the morning. There's going to be a little rain tonight. It's going to cool off. It's going to cool off to forty six degrees. Tomorrow, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a little giddy when it gets like this. All the snow is gone, although you immediately have like all the debris and the gunk that built up on the snow, even that short amount of time. But uh, it's kind of nice not to have to worry about uh, being on the ice for a few days. It's going to get up to almost 60 degrees next week, you guys. It'll cool off again, but uh, it looks like we are going to have some pretty uh, pretty warm weather for the next few days. So hope that you are uh, getting a chance, maybe taking down. Your holiday decorations. Some folks like to leave them up until after New Year's, and I get that. We are. We're leaving ours up. We noticed that one of our neighbors not only took them down early, I think he took his down ahead of the severe weather last week, especially because of those winds. And uh, we really, uh, I know folks were mocking all the weather reports and that everyone, you know, acted like there was this huge storm coming. You have to take those reports as seriously as, you know, within reason uh, to make sure that you have, as I mentioned, your groceries, your prescriptions, uh, make plans, because what happened in Buffalo, New York, is beyond tragic. Uh, The number of people that were stranded in their cars and have died, uh, there's an incredible story about this man who's 64 years old, has intellectual challenges, and he works at a a theater, movie theater in the community, and uh, they're trying to figure out, he's, you limited uh, communication right now, and uh, I'm not sure what his uh, language reception and ability to communicate are uh, prior to this experience, but he went to the theater that he works at and then tried to walk home and got disoriented, and a woman in her home heard someone crying outside, and she brought him in, she fed him, uh, he, had a, he had a bag wrapped around his hands, and it was suffering extreme frostbite, and emergency crews were not able to get to her. She had to get information both by phone and online on how to treat those wounds and keep him warm. And uh, and he right now is recovering in a burn unit. He had fourth degree uh, frostbite burns on his hands. And this woman brought him into her house. And uh, it's just, it's an incredible story of uh, someone willing to open their home to a stranger who was uh, who was stranded and crying and in danger. So. A lot, you know, those are the kinds of stories that uh, remind you what we are capable of. And uh, and uh, unfortunately, there were a lot of tragic stories out of the Buffalo, New York area. So, look, have a plan um, if, if there is extreme weather coming our way. And even if there isn't, like, no, just now we have this sort of downtime. Uh, you know, we have a little bit of knowledge of what has happened in other parts of the country, what can happen here. And just know that you have a plan in case you are uh, put in peril somehow. Um, so that's just something I wanted to uh, touch on. So, oh, Todd, come on in. Hold on a second. You don't have to wait in the kitchen. <laughs> Todd, hold on a second. Let me open this door and tell Todd. Todd! Oh, come on in, Todd. <laughs> 
Standing at uh, attention here, Todd Belcourt joins me in studio. He is the executive director and co-founder of of Social Change. I hope that you didn't tell your Uber driver to uh, pick up their pace on your way over here. Uh, <laughs> did you? No, there, yes. you. I told you not to sweat. There's never this. You know me. I I, w- I would rather you all be safe uh, than uh, have to rush to get here. Thank you for getting here, though. Oh, absolutely. This is just such an incredible opportunity. I didn't want to waste a moment of. Oh, be- you can come. You can come every week if you wanted to. Stop. Oh, thank you don't have to wait. We have to wait for an invitation from me. Well, happy holidays. Absolutely. Merry Thank Christmas and, and all the celebrations of the week. Yes. yes, yes. Talking about a kind of a crazy end of the year with this heat wave. Uh, Isn't this nuts? But thank you for also giving tribute to the people who are struggling with kind of unthinkable things in Buffalo. We have a lot of partners we worked with out there after the, the massacre that we felt and really built some lifelong bonds with. And they're really struggling with a lot of issues right now. They're on, they're on the end of it now, but still, certainly it's being scared to death and then being told how you're not doing things right but the people who are responsible for taking care of the streets and responsible for making sure that people are safe is as about as backwards as you can think of. It really is. And, and I try to, I, I've probably been a little lax about it, you know, what to do, what to, how to be prepared in the event that something happens, whatever that is, whether mm-hmm. it's some sort of uh, electrical issue. Because we had a fire in the neighborhood. There's a grocery store right here on Milwaukee Avenue that had really? a huge fire in the middle of winter. Power was out to this whole area. And no so Steve and I were watching the temperatures drop in our home. The boys were little. I think, I don't know if they were both in cribs. I think Declan, I, they were really little. Mm-hmm. And we had we were like, at what point do we drive to my in-laws' house to make sure that they stay warm? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I don't. I'm not one of those people that has like a backup generator. Do you? Do you try to plan ahead or? Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite on the survivalist list. Right? I mean, I, I, I do see the necessity and the importance of it, especially now having a little one. Um, but I'm just more risk averse. So I think mm-hmm. if, if things start to get to the point where it looks like. It's going to be some really inclement weather. Even when I've traveled in different parts of the nation, it's like, you know, hurricane warnings and stuff like that. I just get out of there. Just, I, yes. Uh, I don't wait for there to be an emergency call to action, all that stuff. Because by then, the panic is kind of overwhelmed. But I also am blessed to have, you know, the flexibility in the network to be able to do so. I recognize that's a privilege that not everyone has. So um, certainly I'm grateful to all the people who, who do take those measures and recognize the importance of it. And I need to do a better job of kind of incorporating that in my life for sure. You, you mentioned uh, having the privilege to adapt and either you leave a situation, you know, flying out or having travel arrangements that can make sure that you're out of harm's way. Uh, we both, you know, we both have a network. If we, yeah. you know, were in a struggle, we know we could reach out to our friends and family. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, and by the way, I want I want to touch on something. There's a, a listener named uh, Brian, uh, Creekside Brian has uh, created, when you mentioned uh, those who are vulnerable, uh, you know, there's a, a listener who has kind of created his own small home, mm. has not been able to uh, secure employment for various reasons, and uh, and has kind of found a, a an avenue to stay safe. And it's creative, but not everybody, even there, I think that he probably would a- a- acknowledge that um, he found a way to carve out a safe space to live in. Um, but there are people who are unhoused yeah. that really at this time of year, uh, you know, I saw in the weeks and the days ahead of this severe weather that was descending upon Chicago, that there are the warming centers aren't even open 24 hours a day. Yeah, I don't know what they expect out of people who are unhoused. Uh, when you have this, not just inclement weather, but really deadly weather yes. that, that we're experiencing, not just for a, you know, a period of a day, but for several days a week of there needs to be more responsible action taken to make sure we're, you know, showing some basic decency and care for other people who reside in our city. And 
Um, I'm sure that'll be one of the many things that are discussed, and then of course the debates that are to come for who's you know going to be running for mayor and what their platform may be. But hopefully that gets all the attention it deserves for sure. I know that with uh, social change and and your role as uh, someone who was lobbying and working towards legislation that was would impact those who are incarcerated or facing trial. Uh, are you working more? I know that you have worked with the mayor's office, uh, and right now you've also. Expanded the work that you do, as you mentioned, Buffalo. I know that you were down in Georgia. You've worked mm-hmm. all over the country. Do you have a sense of the direction we're headed in with the, with the city of Chicago? I mean, because we have so many aldermanic seats that right. are being challenged or are up, um, whether people retired or were indicted or, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons. I mean, there's a significant possibility of a shift in our city hall, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. This is actually a really historic moment for our city. Of not only is there a chance to consider, you know, who's going to be the next mayor, whether it be Lori continuing or someone else. I mean, the amount of turnover is kind of unprecedented in city council, and there are a lot of truly of, you know, varying candidates running who have very different platforms, very different personalities. So this is really a time for people to be engaged and lock in and, you know, pay attention to what's going on in your ward, but also neighboring wards and and get involved. Of yeah. I've you know a couple of people I know are running personally. Adrian Ermer is running to replace Leslie Harrison. Uh, Ida Flores is running yes. uh, in composite. Yeah, to Sorry. try to fight in the, in the Pilsen area. Uh, amazing, incredible leaders who have a really long track record. Um, but anytime you get into any sort of political battle in Chicago, it's a dogfight. I mean, it's uh, there's no holds barred, no really no rules. I mean, it's 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 pretty rough and unfortunate. Um, but uh, and it's definitely not the case where the best candidate wins. So definitely, please everyone take some time, uh, whether it be your ward or adjacent wards, to get get involved now. Um, don't wait until you know February comes and and see what you can do to support some of these incredible candidates who who really deserve and would be the best representatives for us. Uh, and make sure you do your part to get them there because otherwise it's not going to happen on its own. And that's something, and I have tried to impress upon people who are choosing to run for office how crucial it is to spend every waking moment figuring out, it's one thing to do the doors, that's great. If you're on the doors, and, and honestly, the doors take, you could be on the doors four to eight hours a day. Yeah. Right. If you can't raise the money, right. I don't know what to tell people. Like That's I, right. I, I, you know, a minimum of two hours of calling people fifty dollars, ask them for a hundred dollars, ask them for a thousand dollars, and uh, and and to not be on top of that. When you say that it is, uh, it's really cutthroat. Uh, I had an exchange with a candidate, and I felt bad afterwards, but I was like. I, I, you know, the incumbent has over a quarter million dollars. Some of the other challengers have upwards of a hundred thousand. And if I see someone who has less than twenty thousand dollars in their account, less than ten thousand, I smell yeah. fumes. And yeah. I don't have to tell you. I mean, I, I know it's it sounds brutal, but yeah. if what I say makes you upset, imagine what it's going to be like trying to get across that finish line with zero, without getting. You can't get your yeah. message out there. Can't afford coffee for twenty thousand dollars in an election. So uh, imagine what's going to be like trying to get not just your team together, but assemble an additional team and have all the different things you need for a sustained campaign. I mean, this isn't something that's just a sprint. And you're talking about in the wintertime, too, when there's all these different unanticipated expenses. It's impossible to do anything in Chicago for less than fifty five, seventy five thousand, And that's the, that's even then, it's you're a dark horse candidate at best. At best. Uh, so it's, um, 
no matter what your message is, no matter how much your heart's in it, you definitely, if you plan on running for office, plan on running, you know, getting everything lined up and ready a cycle before you actually run. <laughs> so that's what you have yes. to do. So if you yeah. want to run for uh, U.S. Senate, whatever, uh, four years from now, start now. Start, start now. building the relationship, start fundraising, uh, not necessarily in terms of hard dollars, but pledges. Like, would you support me if I ran, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's what's necessary because otherwise um, it's just impossible to build a momentum to unseat some of these incumbents and some of these kind of more entrenched politicians and people who have had connections who've been sitting in the right rooms for a long time. Maybe you don't necessarily have the best resume or the best track record fighting for people, but they have the relationships that make them almost unstoppable. So you have to recognize that reality in Chicago and not just Chicago, a lot of places. I mean, certainly in St. Louis, certainly in L.A., I've experienced that. Uh, Louisiana, oh God! But yeah, so it's it's just part of politics. So in order to fight that, you need to kind of be prepared. You, yeah. need, to, you need to have that real strong backing. Um, and but you also have to be discreet enough so that, like people don't see you coming. It's a lot of different things at once. <laughs> it's but, a lot to juggle at but once. But they're yeah. talking to the right person, and talking to you because you've experienced it all. I uh, well, I, and we came close. We we fought a uh, a battle that uh, I'm very proud of. Uh, and I don't. I mean, like the only thing I would do differently is to make the decision faster. To yeah. your point, to make the, to just go all in as soon as possible. But I trusted people yeah. in power yeah. who were my friends. You know, when Senator Martwick, then representative encouraged me to go for an appointment, I probably, I, I don't even know that I would have gotten into that dogfight had he not been like, you and and had me meet with everybody, yeah. set up a meeting with with the president of the Senate. Like, it was, why would I think otherwise, not knowing that I was a pawn in the whole game anyway? It was very strange. But I think that if I had it to do again, because I thought about running in 2010 for alder person of the 45th Ward, and I had people tell me, well, you know, you're not going to, they're, you know, they, they're part of the machine. Machine, you, you know, you can't, you know, they're they're going to be there forever. And and I, but I, once I had the thought, if and this is for everybody, if you have the inclination, if you've ever thought I would like to, do it now. To Todd's point, start making those connections, yeah. asking people if they would support you. And this is from Sen- uh, Representative uh, Kifowicz. He said, just get a clipboard and go door to door and say and find out. It's your own polling. Yeah. Find out what's important to your neighbors. That's an incredible idea. Yeah. And I did that before petitions. I went just around my block and it was it was public safety in, t- in 20, uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. People were seeing less squad cars, uh, you know, presence, uh, the police presence in the, in the 45th Ward. Mm-hmm. It was gun violence made them concerned. Yeah. Uh, education, the environment. And you have your own polling right there. You can start crafting your messaging for what how you, you're going to run in your own community. And it gives you real credibility. I mean, oftentimes people don't even come to people doors unless they're in the eve or you know the fortnight of an election so i think to you know start that now uh years before you actually intend to run and do whatever you can with, yes. with that information to actually act on it and bring some real change uh that's the sort of stuff that people are looking for that's what it looks like to actually be a true representative and unfortunately a lot of our elected officials take their positions for granted and don't continue to do doors, don't do the town halls, unless required, unless it's kind of the lead up to building support for another election cycle. So stand apart, do something different, get ahead of the game and build your name recognition and, and prove yourself to be someone who's fighting whether or not you win office or otherwise. Exactly. I, we're talking to Todd Belcor. He's the CEO, the executive director and co-founder of Social Change. And actually, let's talk about that when we come back. Organizations like yours are a great way to find out what a community needs, how mm-hmm. you can help, learn about grassroots organizing. Let's talk to about, talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Driving at Home with me, Patty Vasquez. Mm-hmm. We want to thank our, our sponsors, Monaco Brewing. You can see our 
entire uh, choice if you're watching on Facebook Live. I, I've got some of those. If you want, I can chill them for you if you want to try one. Please. Absolutely. I got a Kamala stout. I'm pretty sure I've got at least a Kamala stout. Do you like stouts? I'll see what I have. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, Monaco Brewing. Uh, we can go to the Patty Vasquez show page and find out where they are. You can pick up a four-pack, a six-pack. I, I think they come in four-packs. Where you can pick up some progressive brews in your area. We also want to thank our sponsors. Uh, kids above all. Our friend Dan, Senator Dan Katowski is a sponsor of the show, help helping kids reach their potential. Oh, yeah. And we also want to thank our sponsor, Warren Price, from European and U.S. Car Service over, to, over by there, 4080 North Broadway <laughs> near Irving Park Road. Uh, thank you all for your support and making these conversations possible. And we want to thank Gindo's Spice of Life. Our friends uh, from Gindo's, have, they have given us $50... Ten fifty dollar gift cards, not okay. fifty dollar, like not fifty one dollar gift cards, <laughs> or not five hundred either. <laughs> right? They've given us fifty dollar gift cards for to the end of the year, and uh, we want to give you a chance to win one of those. Uh, oh, we're actually going to talk to one of the the women that works. Uh, there's a, an organization called Sauce. At six thirty, we're going to talk to a student that helps uh, people in the community, much like the work that you do. Oh, awesome. uh, children who are experiencing vulnerability, whether it's clothing, shelter, or food. Oh. So we'll talk to them about that when we come back. And uh, let's talk. Uh, here's the phrase it pays T- to uh, you can text to 773-763-9278. Let's text. Let me get you a, a flavor of a sauce. Ooh, I did that one already. Mm, Vampire Slayer is one of their. Okay. <laughs> is one of their hot right. sauces. I like that a lot. Vampire Slayer is a phrase that pays to 773-763-9278 for your chance to win a gift card from Gindo's Spice of Life. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors of the text screen. Camp Kubagani, a child summer of empowerment, challenge, and fun. Go to multiculturalcamp.com. More in a moment on WCPT 820. We're driving it home till 7. Mind over matters. Dr. Amy Harris. Nuan, as you know, this show is about challenging you to think differently, to make different choices in your life, to take action, to create positive outcomes in your life. So I want to challenge you to look at your life holistically. To where am I satisfied? What areas uh, need attention? And then go to work, take an action what you need to do. Mind over matters with Dr. Amy Harris Nuan. Sundays at 10 a.m. on WCPT 820. You're listening to WCPT 820, because facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at A&S Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand and Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. On January 6, 2021, followers of Trump and something called QAnon attempted a coup at the United States Capitol. Who are these people? I want to live with the QAnon girl. I could be happy the rest of my life with a QAnon girl. Believer of theory, she leans to the right. She never gets weary of being gullible and white. She's my QAnon girl. And like members of any cult, these folks seem 
willing to follow the directions of their leaders, no matter how irrational or insane or stupid they may be. She likes crazy leaders. She likes worshiping. She learned from a young age to believe anything. She's my QAnon girl. She voted for Trump twice. She bows at his feet. He promised her he'd kill the liberal elite for my QAnon girl. Here is what is expected of the members of a cult. Excessively zealous and unquestioning commitment to the leader and to the leader's belief system, ideology, and practices as if they were the absolute truth, the absolute law. The leader dictates how members should act, think, and feel. And, of course, whether acts of treason are really patriotism. She's out at the Capitol. I'm uh, playing a little extra of uh, Steve Goody's uh, QAnon girl. And uh, Steve Goody was in studio this week, which was a lot of fun. He'll be uh, touring with us. Uh, he'll be joining us uh, for more shows in the spring. Uh, hanging out in studio right now with Todd Belcor, the executive director and co-founder of Social Change. And we were talking a little bit off air about different campaigns. And, uh, you know, um, I was at an event recently and someone walked in who had had inflicted a lot of trauma uh, during my campaign and is now running for office. Right. So they're running for like these police boards. Right. Mm. And uh, and there's somebody who told me when I went door to door to help uh, immigrants know their rights ahead of any ice raids that Donald Trump was threatening in Chicago is a Cook County sheriff. You know, what he said to me, you know, you're just making my job harder. No way. Yeah. Dave Feller does not belong on any ballot. Oh, my goodness. Is all I'm saying. Uh, no, I'm, I could say a lot more, I'm sure. But Making his job harder, meaning making it harder for him to lock people up. Yes, yeah. meaning people knowing their rights. And that's a lot of the work. I remember when you were in Springfield and you, you were working with, with legislators to, this is the one that always stuck out for me, was making sure that a defendant knows the, the full range of what's being explained to them. And, you know, there, this is a, a heavy lift to a lot of folks uh, like you who want, we get we get that there are people who, who commit crimes and mm-hmm. that we want to figure out a way to uh, punish. But the penal system is also supposed to be uh, in order to help someone get their life in order so they don't go down that path again, right. right? It's supposed to be rehabilitation focused. Right. Um, with the, ideally, I mean, you're not having people commit crimes repeatedly. So you recognize why people committed the crime in the first place, kind of unpack that and get to those root causes. So that person come back to the community and be a contributed member of society versus someone that could be considered a menace. Uh, and that's certainly not how it actually works in practice. Uh, we make it harder for people to d- return to work, to take care of themselves, to take care of their families, to even drive. So you, you take away every bit of privilege, every bit of opportunity, every bit of potential a person has, and you expect them to some t- somehow do better. Uh, and that's like the nutshell of how you explain a criminal justice system in America. Yeah. Um, there are better models. There are kind of things being done, whether it be in you know Oregon or even some parts of Illinois with the juvenile justice system to really get to the root causes and speak to the needs of the people who actually commit the crimes in the first place to make sure there are no more victims or fewer victims. But that's not really the priority as much as it should should be. So uh, I do appreciate uh, not only bringing attention to that, but recognizing like just the rift there is in what's actually spoken versus what's actually 
activated and executed in, in real life. The Department of Corrections is not taking enough effort to correct people's behavior. Instead, it's just punishing it. Yeah, it's entirely punishment. And I, we, I know that, so two things we have to talk about in the next half hour. One, again, <laughs> is the work people can do with you and partner with social change, mm-hmm. whether as a sponsor, as someone who donates their time or resources, and get involved if they're if they're interested in learning more about grassroots community activism. And we also want to talk about the, the ruling overnight from the Kankakee courts uh, that mm-hmm. the Safety Act is unconstitutional in the state of Illinois when it comes to the pretrial uh, bail, right? That, that was the decision made uh, overnight. Let's take a break here again. Don't forget the phrase that pays to win a, uh, possibly win a gift card from Gindo's Spice of Life, a $50 gift card, is Vampire Slayer. It's never been easier for me to remember a uh, phrase that pays. I'm guessing there's a lot of garlic in that one. It sells itself. It sells itself. We're <laughs> hanging out in studio with Todd Belcor, the executive director and co-founder of Social Change. More in a moment when we come back on WCPT 820. We're driving it home, which means I'm going to have your traffic in just a moment. There's new information. Explosive new information. It's how every day starts. Need for information. Get the info you need from Santita Jackson. Weekday morning starting at 6 on WCPT 820. Chicago's Progressive Talk. WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Dino's Cardinal Liquors in Gurney, Illinois, and Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park, as well as in Chicago at Jarvis Square Tavern, Rogers Park, and Garfield's Beverage Express Wicker Park. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. You are listening to Driving It Home, and I'm thrilled to be in the studio with Todd Belcourt, the executive director and co-founder of social change. And I want to talk first, let's, let's start there because I, I had teased it earlier and the work that folks can do if they're interested in getting involved in the community and what it takes to roll up your sleeves and help people in a, in a fundamental way. How do they get involved first with social change or with other organizations like yours? Yeah, I think the most, the most important step for people is just to actually take the step to try and reach out, send an email, send a direct message. We have um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. In our case, it's at shy social change, CHI social change. Um, and Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and just tell us you'd like to get involved, uh, or even uh, go on our website. You know, click the get involved link. <laughs> we try to make it as simple as we can, and from there, what we'll do is ask you what you're most interested in, uh, whether it be our food insecurity work, our work with the unhoused, our work on dismantling the new Jim Crow, or storytelling work, democracy advancing work, whatever the things that we do that's like the most interesting to you that kind of keeps you up at night. We'd love to kind of partner with you. And pick your brain, honestly. Yes, we've been doing this work for over a decade, but there's no question that we need more advice, more wisdom, more people at the table who have interests, who have ideas, and see what we can do together. That's something that you're excited about, that we can really support to really move the work forward. So uh, anyone, if you're interested in any of the stuff we've mentioned, um, not just in Chicago, not just in Illinois, but North Carolina, um, I was about to say South Carolina. I guess I'm speaking into the future here. Uh, North Carolina, Georgia, of, of course, Illinois, 
California, Louisiana, Indiana, Indiana, Wisconsin, Missouri, any of those places. If you live there or know people who live there or if you want to get involved from near or far, uh, we're an organization we'd love to work with you. Uh, we are a large kind of family of people. We have people of all backgrounds, beliefs, uh, understandings. Um, but one thing that we all celebrate is our common humanity and we make space for people to make mistakes, to learn, and to still stay within a family. So there's not a place you're going to be going to get canceled and feel you know scared to say the wrong thing. We'll love you up and make sure that you know that we're going to be doing this together no matter what. It was uh, it is always an incredible experience to work with you, whether it's uh, helping fo- folks who are, are food vulnerable, uh, of course, working with uh, the... Uh, International Film Festival, and that's another thing. Uh, I, you know, if you feel creative, if mm-hmm. if you've ever wanted to tell a story visually, I encourage you to check out the International Film Festival that it goes on every year in the fall through th- Social Change. And I know, I believe your submission submissions are opening up soon. Is that right, or are they already open? No, you're right; they're open. Um, certainly. So, if you have a story to tell, uh, now is the time to submit it because it's uh, you know fifteen dollars or twenty dollars, depending on the length, uh, to let that story be heard and seen and then considered for our International Film Festival, which has been seen by tens of thousands of people across the world. It's not something that's a very small festival. Uh, we're small in, in, in terms of our team, but we're mighty in terms of our impact, in terms of the, the, the amount of viewership, the amount of engagement. And uh, we really invite people to, to not hesitate, make the film, share your story, and let us be part of the, uh, kind of unrolling it and really making it available to the world. I would love to recommend so many of the films that I just saw. I mean, every year something jumps out at me, and all of them have been... At- incredible and life-changing for me. One of them this year, and, and please, it's not at the expense of other stories being less profound or important, but On These Grounds uh, really shook me. Mm. This was the story of uh, a young woman in, uh, I believe it was in, was it North Carolina? South Carolina. Yeah. South Carolina. Uh, folks might remember the, the video that went viral. It was a, a t- high school student who... The, for whatever reason, in, in the mind of the teacher who decided to call the police, that was because they have what are they called here? The SROs? No, the not SROs. The the yeah the high school um, the school police officers. Yeah, resource officers. Resource officers. Mm-hmm. Um, the teacher decided to call, and and this girl had been asking for help. She needed assistance emotionally in throughout her day. She was yeah. she had a, a, a counselor that she worked with, and was not allowed to contact them because she wouldn't cooperate in whatever way. The police officer was called and she was dragged from her her desk across the room. And I, what, in the documentary, I learned about how many, st- how many states right now have something about if a student is disruptive, it can be it can, it can lead to law enforcement being called. They can be imprisoned. And we're seeing this here in Illinois. Did you see this story out of Jacksonville, Illinois? No. Students who go to a special needs facility and the majority of the students as young as nine years old have had law enforcement called on them. Oh my God. And this is, you know, this is military, I mean, militarizing uh, our response to students who right. whose frontal lobes haven't even finished developing and some oh kids goodness. who are on the spectrum or have challenges intellectually or physically. And, and, and you know, when we talk about the pipeline yeah. from, you know, from schools to the prisons, this is part of what we're talking about is criminalizing Absolutely. teenagers who look, I mean, for some of the things that this kid did, I might have been that way in grade school for the challenges that I had, I the trauma. I might still be that way. <laughs> I know I am. I got people in this neighborhood like, no, nah, it's Patty. We wish I mean, if, if I'm being honest here, you know, before the new year, uh, Patty, but I think at, at the end of the day, the more contact youth have with law enforcement, the more contact they're going to have with law yes. enforcement. So you want to do everything you can to uh, lead with love, lead with grace, and, and give them not just 
you know, impunity. I get that. But have the accountability be centered and built around love and that idea of uh, how your conduct hurts other people. Right. Um, bring that restorative justice element to it so people can learn, people can grow, and better understand what's going on. Uh, otherwise, you're just penalizing them without helping them understand what's going on. It's just not going to actually solve the problem. It's just going to make it worse. It is. It, 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 and I don't think people, I mean, this is in any instance, whether it's school or you and I have talked about uh, when we, when someone is pulled over for whatever reason, yeah. uh, for a, an out headlight. It isn't, it, it's a, is it always, it's not always to find out if there's that person's guilty of or possibly being investigated for something else, but it tends to lead to that, doesn't yes. it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that opens the door to the majority of significant cases and, and, and really convictions that we have. Uh, these traffic stops and these minor things that may seem minor on their face, but they lead into uh, a pattern of behavior, a, a, a background check, or other things that can just kind of spur into kind of Pandora's box of issues. So definitely we need to protect our youth and make sure they have enough space to actually live out their youth and make youthful indiscretions and mistakes. And I don't think we're doing a good enough job of doing that. Here's this is uh, just like to follow up on the story. I, and I haven't even brought this up on the show because I wanted to learn more about it. But there's a school in Jacksonville, Illinois. And Jacksonville, by the way, has a lot of state facilities. They have the state yeah. school for the deaf. They have uh, a prison that it, it was essentially this is my little history geek stuff kicking in. <laughs> it was a trade off because Jacksonville, the uh, the leaders of Jacksonville wanted Jacksonville to be the state capital. So in exchange for it bringing Springfield, they got a lot of state facilities. But this this school that uh, that helps children with disabilities, they call the police on students every other day. No way. For students as young as nine years old. And it is, I can't imagine that's in the IEP. No. If the stu- student is disruptive, uh, call the police. Uh, they have been called, officers have, been, officers have arrested students more than 100 times in the last five years, which is is an astounding number for any That's school. incredible. But no, you have to recognize how small Jacksonville is as well, and yeah. how small that school is also. No other school district, not just in Illinois, but in the entire country. Huh had a higher student arrest rate than Four Rivers the last time the, the data was collected in 2017-18. More than half of all garrison students were arrested. And officers typically handcuff students and take them to the police station where they are fingerprinted, photographed, and placed in a holding room. Trauma. Yeah. That's trauma. And that's such a failure in leadership on so many levels for it to come to that. I mean, for that to be something that they just turn to as an expected response to, to our youth having issues is... It shows so many different levels of failure. It's heartbreaking. I have so much work to do. You see, look, it's, Todd's in the studio with me, and you can see that I, maybe you're watching online. I have a wrist brace on because Declan becomes combative when we have to help him with something yeah. that is painful for him. And he's not, I mean, so this is the kind of, his behavior, according to the people that teach at this school, would be enough to call the police. Declan doesn't know. He just, because he can't talk. Right. He can't tell us. I mean, he can't. We know from his reaction that it hurts him. He wants us to stop. We can't explain to him if you, if we can, if you would relax. Because as soon as we're done doing what we need to do, he's comfortable and he's laughing again. That's right. He doesn't have the permanence yeah. of this is temp, this is temporary. This feeling I have. And that's the same for these kids. And the fact that they're calling police is, 
I'm it just I can't even. And this was the same thing that the I know legislators um, create. They crafted legislation to for these these rooms, these timeout rooms, mm-hmm. where they would lock kids up. And I get that they're trying to find like not all teachers have the patience or the resources to address this. But that means it's on us. It's on the people of Illinois and our representatives in Springfield to do better by these kids. That's right. That's and the right. families. And thank God for your leadership on this, Patty. I mean, you've been a vocal, just outspoken leader on this for over a decade, you know. And at at the end of the day, it's if we don't have more parents, more people with personal experience, with lived experience, kind of provide that real context, people just hear the headlines. Like, oh, kids acting up. Yeah, sometimes you have to call law enforcement. That's what happens. But they just miss all the granular aspects that speak to how unjust this is, how inhumane this is. So thank you for bringing some real humanity to these issues. It just makes me angry. I want to start screaming. You know, I get when I start screaming. What was that woman's name? <laughs> what was her role in Rounder's office? So that that remember when we were at the Globe in Springfield, and there was that Whoa, woman, that woman we're that uh, about worked this for. Right yeah. now. <laughs> but I just want to give you some of some context for. <laughs> I just I just don't have patience for people who uh, would just assume that bad things aren't happening. Yeah. And, and when I'm in the room with somebody who blatantly, and, and by the way, that was just the one that you saw <laughs> when I was in the because you were with me on the floor at the press box. Like there were representatives on the other side of the aisle that would walk by me and I would like I would tell them mm-hmm. where do you have a comment for why we are short selling our the children and people disabilities across the state of Illinois? And yeah. they would say things like, well, everyone's got to pay these are the things that was why i wanted to be there was to hear the ridiculous things that they said yeah. and hold their feet to the fire and i would tell them representative sullivan who is a, you know voted for gay marriage and and i know that his career came at expense people were threatening him for a lot of things he voted on yeah. but he voted to cut services to people across the state of illinois mm-hmm. and i said can you answer to that and he goes well everyone's gonna have to pay so you're gonna start with children you're yeah. gonna start with with senior citizens like yeah. this is what they do in springfield there should definitely be a list of people who just can't have to pay. <laughs> I mean, I mean yes. certainly. I mean, if, if you're starting with disabled and our elderly, then um, uh, I'm not even sure if you should be in office. I agree. Lady B, I just got it a text. It looks like it says we don't see you. Patty. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I just got a text that someone says they can't see us on Facebook. So we will take a break, and uh, Lady B's going to work on that, and I'm going to crack open a Monaco brew for uh, for Todd Belcourt from <laughs> you telling stories about Springfield. More <laughs> after this, we're hanging out with Todd, Belc- Todd Belcourt, the executive director and co-founder of Social Change. You can go to socialchange.site, S-I-T-E. Right. Follow them on all the social media platforms, Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter. It's, there's the, all the, the uh, outlets they have like for social change, CHI, mm-hmm. and uh, what are the other ones? NC, ATL, NYLA, WIIN. Nice. <laughs> Got them all. That's right. <laughs> we'll continue our conversation after this. Don't forget to text Vampire Slayer to 773-763-9278 for your chance to win a $50 gift card. And I have to remind you that I will be at the Kenosha Comedy Club at the Wyndham Hotel for New Year's Eve, everybody. Oh, nice. I'm co-headlining, and uh, I know there's there's a few tickets left. We'd love to see you on Saturday night. We're going to play a round of What's in the Box live. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) uh, I'm glad you're bringing that back. I I certainly am. (laughs) Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. Some got busy, some got lazy, some got creative, some went crazy. Couch potatoes, avoiding respirators, we all got pretty big round the equator. Shopping online, working online, zooming all day, no pants, that's 
find Hiding at home from civilization Here's what I did over my pandemic vacation In chronological order, more or less With the non-political songs first Cause not everybody wants to hear what I think politically And I understand that, but honestly How could anyone get through the past 18 months without one political thought? You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. And we are live in the WCPT studios with Todd Belcour. He is the executive director and co-founder of Social Change. And we've been friends since 2015. That would be when I went for, I met you in Springfield. I was uh, bringing some parents down. I started out by bringing some moms down. Uh, so for folks who might not remember the uh, uh, Good Friday massacre, yeah. uh, Governor Rauner made $26.2 million in cuts to cr- crucial services across the state of Illinois to a wide range of groups, uh, whether it was after school programs, uh, drug you know intervention programs, uh, those who have uh, significant challenges, Meals on Wheels, yeah, and, the most vulnerable, truly. Yeah, and and the thing is, that, like, you know, folks get uncomfortable when I challenge people in public, as though there's some sort of like nicety. To what they like, like any yeah. of this is like sort of there's a delicacy. Like you're wrong to even ask them about why they're making these decisions, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, or why they behave the way they do. There, tick tock, there isn't time yeah. to wait for people to do the right thing. That's right. Explain yourself, right? And that's I just don't have the patience. And these type of cuts cost lives. You know, it's not yes. like something where they have to kind of you know pull up their their, their pants and, and tighten their their belt a little bit. And when you start taking this kind of money away from very small organizations, that means they're going out of business. That means people are out in the street. That means people yes. are struggling. And people, people are committing crimes. People are hurting themselves and others. They're a real life-changing and really impacts that you can't ever come back from uh, when you make these type of cuts. So you are not only doing a great job of organizing people, but it's because of you that a lot of this stuff got reversed and fixed. So thank you. That's a lot of... I, it was a lot of people that were involved, um, and that's and that maybe that's part of why I'm not the best at running because I probably should have cataloged a lot more of what I did: the personal meetings, the exchanges, yeah. the interviews, uh, having Republicans and Democrats sit down with each other, the number of Republicans that I had on my show and had them explain what was going on that yeah. crossed aisles in order to uh, to come to an agreement on the budget. Uh, it was also a lot of uh, you know. It was also a lot of. How do I put it? Rauner and Manigan wanted to make each other responsible for taking right. us off of a, a fiscal cliff. And, you know, and a lot of that stuff happens. And if the people don't know how it affects us, they yeah. will do it without any regard to everybody. That's right. They played a game of chicken at our expense. And at the end of the day, and the reason why I smiled when you, you said, you know, a lot of people are involved in this because that just kind of explains who you are in, in, a, in a nutshell. I mean, you really carried heavy water for this. Uh, you were testifying. You were talking to people. You were chasing people down. You were bringing attention to the issues. You are organizing people. You're literally doing everything humanly possible. And even at, despite doing all that, you still won't take any credit. <laughs> and that just shows you what type of humble amazing leader that you are but also that's why i'm here to kind of embarrass you and say hey <laughs> um, but for you and honestly and the energy you put into this there will be more kids hurting more people on the street more families without the basic necessities they need so thank you for all you've done seriously well thank you it uh 
It, well, and I know that you hate when I tease you about how we met, but really, but that was what drew me to you is that like you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to stop me when I was when so I don't and I'll never know who it was. Like who was that mysterious person that said go go ask Jeannie Ives for help? Like it was some weird hazing thing. I would have done it, you know, yeah. not knowing what Buzz saw, and, and you know, I would have been fine with her being horrible. I would have been like, oh, she's horrible. Uh, but you're like, you don't you don't want to talk to her. <laughs> just, just have your ducks in a different kind of row. Well, yeah, right. It was. It was. Don't start there, because mm-hmm. in my mind, I thought I need to start talking to Republicans too. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I started talking to people like uh, like our friend Steve Anderson, yeah. and and General Harris. Oh yeah. And these are these are two of the people that did cross uh, party lines, and and to you too. I mean, like so much of what has gone into the Safety Act, the the trajectory of how we treat people who are. Uh, have come to a point in their lives where they make decisions that we wish they hadn't that affect people negatively and how do we reset help them reset how do we help them uh, know their rights how do we help them get back on, on track to to reach their potential I mean that's a lot I mean look that's why I went down and fought was that there people write off people with disabilities or they write off people with criminals as like well that's that's just who they are it's not gonna uh, there's nothing we can do to help and yet right. there is so much we can do and the hardest thing I find to impress upon people is the investment we make here Mm. the time the resources it saves us all these people that talk about our our kids are gonna have to pay and this is gonna you know we want to we're spending too much money it's for every dollar you spend now on somebody saves you seven ten eleven dollars down the road whether it's in our penal system or trying to help them or recidivism or uh, someone who is challenged physically having to live in a group home. That's right. Or people who come relying on the government could otherwise take care of themselves. Yes. All that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know why it's so hard to explain. Uh, our friend, uh, I have to, hey, Lady B, will you do me a huge favor and text me the, the, the call-in number? Because Warren Price wants to join us. Although you can call the regular number, Warren, at 773-763-9278. Warren, 773-763-9278. Yeah, that one, WCPT. But I'm, I'll try to find the uh, the call line. I never have that number available. But, the hotline. Uh, the hotline. Uh, we are in studio. I, think I have that. When Warren's one of our sponsors, by the way, he's my car guy. I got a guy because we did have questions that came up for you, Warren. So I hope that you'll call in. Uh, we're going to take a break here in just a moment. Oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just got a text. Uh, Todd just made me mad all over again that you're not a state rep. Aww. That's very sweet. Uh, and uh, uh, someone Is this who- the number? The six? I don't know if you want to put on the air. Oh, or not. Yeah, I can't put that one on the air, but hold on a second. Uh, okay, also, sorry. Jeannie Ives isn't just horrible. She's genuinely bat guano crazy. People have met her and say she looks and talks like she's in a religious cult. She's not She's not fit to be a street sweeper. Which oh, was, was God, not, not, Todd said none of that. Um, not but at I, all. but in, in essence, he was like, you, you don't need to talk to her, was what he said. <laughs> uh, and also, yeah, Todd and I are both, but I think because you have a presence and a calm to you, you, you and I have different tags. <laughs> <laughs> We have. I, I was in the press box. Like people would ask me if I was okay in the general assembly because I would be like gripping the side. Like I would see them do really stupid things yeah. and be like, "What? Who? Who? Who told you?" There was a there was a bus. There was a funding for a bus, a two buses for children with disabilities that they were voting on. Mm-hmm. One hundred seventy five thousand dollars, I think, each. And they they couldn't answer any of the basic questions. Did it have a ramp? 
Yeah. Did it have four point harnesses for kids like my son w- would benefit from that to be safe and keep others safe as well? Yeah. And they didn't have any of those answers. And I was like, how do you not know? Well, then what, what are you just getting an RV for like? Right. Yeah. So just the, get, pulling up with the camper, y'all. Is yeah, this exactly. what we're doing? yeah. What are you buying? An expensive camper. Yeah. Get yeah. it together. All right. Let's take a break here. Now I'm fired up. I'm all fired up <laughs> I'm again. Sorry. No, why should you be sorry? They did it, not you. Yeah. Uh, and I have a question for you from a listener that I want to address when we come back. 773-763-9278 is a number to call and join our conversation anytime. Do we have <laughs> 773-763-WCPT. Is this camera working? I want to make sure I'm putting I'm showing it for the camera. Yeah, That's what that, that is. that works. Yeah. And uh, also text Vampire Slayer to the same number to have a chance to win a $50 gift card to Gindo's Spice of Life. More after this. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Listening to Driving at Home, I'm uh, in studio with Todd Belcor, the executive director and co-founder of Social Change. And on the phone with, phone with us is Warren, our car guy. Hey, Warren, were your ears buzzing? Because folks have been calling and at- wondering about, they have questions for you. How are you doing, Warren? I'm doing great, Patty. How are you and the kids and Steve and everybody on your planet? Uh, we're, we're good. We're having a lovely, a lovely holiday. We've also got Todd. I think you and Todd have, uh, have hung out with each other as well. I think we have. I think we've done a show or two together. Hi, Todd. Hey, Warren. How are you, brother? I'm very well. Very well. Thanks. Mm-hmm. So, happy holidays, everybody <laughs> yes. on planet Earth. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, indeed. And we, uh, we we were talking about you the other day because someone called and they wanted to know if, you, if, if, if the cold weather is harder on cars or if hot weather is harder on cars. Well, it's a draw, but I would lean more toward hot weather is harder on cars. Wow. Because your vehicle goes into a hot mode, and with the accelerated heat, it could do more engine damage, I think. Uh, on the other hand, cold weather can do stranger things to plastic and rubber and uh, bushings and stuff that are underneath a car. So okay. it's kind of it leans a little bit one way and it teeters the other way. I would have lost that bad. I'm sorry? I would have lost that bet. I definitely would have thought the cold weather was worse, but uh, I also appreciate your use of the word Stranger Things in there, too. <laughs> that was one of my favorite shows. <laughs> <laughs> Way to slide that in yeah. there, Warren. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it's uh, very strange. The weather we went through uh, last week was pretty intense, hmm. I must say. Well, and with and, this warm-up, uh, too, is kind of crazy. I already saw some trees budding. Really? Oh, man. That's some confused meditation. I'm telling you. It's very strange. The earth is definitely, uh, fossil fuels are definitely not helping us out. No. No. Do you have like a preferred, so I, I like my hybrids. You know, I, I hope that they're helping, but I know that there's also an issue with batteries and things like that. Do you have a sense of what you would recommend for folks who truly want to, like, one, I think that used cars are great if you can buy one used, right? Absolutely. Right, that's one yeah. way. Why create? Why create fresh scrap? Yeah, I, 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 I think almost all my cars I've driven until you know you've taken two of them. <laughs> my mom's ninety six. You, you, you drive your car so long; it's incredible. But of course, someone I know helps keep them running. Yes, 
Exactly. That and that's that's that, why you got to know a guy. The, you got to know a guy. That is the key to have somebody. And what I love about when we, when someone brings their car to you, if you can't do it, you will send them to someone you not only trust but really does have the best rates for for fixes. Whatever, whether yes. it's a muffler or a catalytic converter, uh, all those sure. all those things that maybe aren't necessarily what you can handle, but you will take us. You'll you'll you take care of people. I love that. Yeah, that makes you a saint in this city. Yep. You know, it's funny. Uh, I learned this a long time ago watching that one Christmas story where uh, uh, Santa was at Gimbel's and then he recommended oh, yeah. everyone else to Macy's. I forgot the name of the movie. Miracle but, uh, on 34th Street. Mm-hmm. Miracle on 34th Street, right. I was a little kid watching that. And uh, what was it, Natalie Wood in that one? Yeah. Is it yeah. Natalie Wood? Yeah. Yeah, I know, she was a little girl. I I know that the uh, the Maureen O'Hara plays a mom who is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, she was great. But you know, he if they didn't have it at Gimbel's, he recommended it to go someplace else. I would be more than happy to see somebody be taken care of and happy somewhere else if I can't facilitate. It's you know all I can do is try. Yeah, it makes well, you it make it sound so simple, but that's also extremely rare, and it shows the type yeah. of heart you have to actually take care of the customer first, rather than look out only for your own interest. Yep. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, being in the business uh, as long as I've been in it, uh, I was watching my previous managers do it the wrong way. <sighs> okay. And uh, I started to be trained the wrong way. Mm. And then when you get caught up in conversation with someone and you know that you've, you're violently wrong mm-hmm. for doing what you did... And you feel so embarrassed that uh, it's better to the truth shall set you free. That's all I got to say. <laughs> it, it, so, it's, it, it, it's a great way to take care of your customers. And we've talked to folks who've called in, Todd. It was so funny. We had people that have known Warren either through their own car service, mm-hmm. uh, bringing their cars to him, or because their parents have been taking their cars to him for decades. True. Very true. That's amazing. Yeah. And now I'm getting now I'm getting into grandchildren. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> That's what a fellow you can well, trust when you get him for three generations for sure. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. It's been a fun ride, I can tell you that. What uh what was your what, where'd you spend your holidays? I was with Kim and my daughters mm-hmm. and my mother in law and my brother in law and we had a wonderful time and uh we had a great dinner, but the next day was the best because my brother-in-law makes the best biscuits and gravy on the planet Ooh. Okay, now. do you have any idea what the secret is grease <laughs> <laughs> yep and that's not the country yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yep. i hear that and i do, appreciate that todd do you have any any christmas morning uh traditions because i didn't we didn't have huh. one in my house my husband's family had like these this egg casserole that has like like bread and then eggs and then sausage and oh, cheese mercy. yeah no, we kind of had, um, well, I guess what's called intermittent fasting now, but we called it poverty when we were young. It's yeah. just, uh, you know, we had that one meal and you just kind of held out and, and you couldn't really even go in the kitchen or eat anything or think about eating anything until it was ready. And that could be upwards of 5, 6 p.m., 7 p.m. Oh. So it really was a fasting experience. Um, but this year I, I did, my mom came by and I made her some breakfast and, uh, of course, for my lady and baby as well. And um, we relaxed and we sat in from... 
about 10 o'clock until about 4 p.m. just talking and reminiscing and, and relaxing and opening some presents and then That's going wonderful. to um, uh, Felicia's side of the family to, to relax and do the same. But, no, I think it is a great idea to have some sort of, you know, morning ritual like that. I just it's it, To me, I'm still ingrained to, like, not even think about food until yeah. a certain time on Thanksgiving and Christmas, but I realize that's just trauma. <laughs> oh. Well, I, I always gauge myself that I'm, I know that I'm going to... Uh, come in lighter and walk out at the end of the holiday season a little lighter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know that's going to happen, so I'm prepared. Yeah, It's wintertime, Warren, in Chicago. You need a little weight on you. I know. you got to have that extra coat here. to. <laughs> yes. Instead of having seven layers, you do an eighth layer of uh, meat. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, Very good. it's so good to hear your voice. I really uh, one. I'm honored that you uh, are a sponsor of driving at home, and uh, mm-hmm. it's it is 4080 North Broadway, right? Is that right? Yes, it is. Okay, I'm trying to 4080 North Broadway. And the, you know what I'm looking at, Patty? What are you looking at? I'm looking at Michael's from across the street. Through the sign, you know, our favorite the pizza place. Oh, oh. Pizza. oh, he's got a great pizza joint right there on Broadway, right across the street. Okay, I went I over there. Go across the street because I, I, he said it won't take me that long to, to fix what we need on your car. He's like, so gra- go grab a bite, and like, oh, they were such the servers there. Really? They take such great care of you, huh. yeah, and they make a good michelada. Not that I mean, it's just tomato juice and beer, but still, oh. <laughs> there's an art to it, though. There is an art to it. It's about proportion. There's an art to it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. What, uh, so okay. one of the things that I want people to know is that if they are in a situation where they're in an accident, you know, people, and I want to, I want to reiterate this almost every time I talk to you because people are, are you know, they have fight or flight yeah. and they don't have to do when they've been in an accident. What do you recommend? Let's say someone's driving and they do skid on some ice and they, and they hit another car or someone hits them. What do you tell people to do? First, take a deep breath, touch yourself and make sure you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, get your get your mi- mindset that you are okay. Okay, then be prepared to exit the vehicle carefully. Make sure you're not in traffic. And get your telephone out and say and greet the person that you're involved with the accident. And if it's your fault, apologize. If it's their fault, you could say funny meeting you by accident. <laughs> Uh, wow. Whoa, played one. My word. Uh, yes. And take a picture of their car and a license plate and ask them for a copy of their insurance and driver's license. So you can get a copy of that and ask them if they'd like to go make a police report. Okay. And, now, you're not always going to get someone who's going to want to do that. Yeah. Don't battle on the street. And then be very nice and walk away. And take pictures of everything. Their insurance take card, of everything. Anything you can get a photograph of, take a photograph of. Warren has walked me through, unfortunately, several situations. Mm. Uh, none of which. Uh, one was I and another car were backing up at the same time in a grocery store parking lot. And no. it just, it was one of those things. Not going to happen to anybody. Uh, it was, it, it was, and it was so weird because I'd never been in a situation where it could have been either one of us. Yeah. It was both of us. And I was really, it, it's, it is, there's it, a lot of adrenaline involved with talking to like the, no, the yeah. claims adjusters and stuff. And both of our insurance companies uh, decided that neither one of us, that it was equal fault, essentially. Yeah. But Warren, walk me through that. And you're great at that, Warren. Well, if you if you're 50 50, you just have to be. Make sure that the other person understands it's 50-50. Getting combative is not what you want to do at the scene of an accident. 
it's, it's the one time I'm never, I've never, I, I've been hit so many times and I almost always have someone come up to me, except for this girl. We, we did not yell at each other. We were both like, oh my God, I, you know, we were mm-hmm. both like, I was, we were, we weren't saying I'm sorry, but we're like, I, we were both confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, well, that's a good thing because you can both say, okay, I give, it's both of our faults. Yeah. Offer that statement. It's both of our faults. It's a 50-50, yeah. folks. I'm not, I'm not any more wrong than you are. And she was really scared that I was going to be mad. Like, she was really scared. I mm-hmm. was conf- I, Maybe I was more confused. But I have had guys who have rear-ended me mm-hmm. get out of their car and start yelling at me. Oh, my goodness. I was pregnant oh, one time. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, you know, people are, people are people. That's all I can say. You don't know what you're going to get or what, you don't know what you can expect from them. You don't yep. know what kind of a day or what kind of a life they live. That's right. Yep. Well, so you Warren, really have to just be careful. I'm so grateful to have you in my life. I'm so glad you called during the holidays. Can you Warren, come? Can you come in one day you know, next week? Do you think you have time? Absolutely. Excellent. Yeah, I'm going to make the time. All right. I'm come, make time. come on in. I'd love to see you uh, again. Right. And tell You're folks tell, tell folks the website for European and U.S. car service. All right. Everyone have a great day. Uh, Todd, have a great day. God bless you guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Thank Year. Thank you, Warren. Uh, don't forget to say the All website right, though for people to find you. Yeah. What's the website again? Oh, uh, EuropeanUS.com. That's simple. EuropeanUS.com. Thank you, Ward. I'll see you next week. I look forward to it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. We're going to take a break here. We also, uh, I want to apologize to Dave and to Jim. I know Jim's been on hold for a while. Dave, I had I didn't have the screen on, so I didn't know that there were calls coming in, so I apologize. It wasn't until Warren texted me and said, I, I, can I call in, that I realized that you were there. So give me a call back, Dave. Jim, I'll take a call when I come back. We are hanging out in studio with Todd Belcourt, the executive director and co- co-founder of Social Change. Go to socialchange.site, that's socialchange.site, and follow them on all the social media platforms, Social Change, C-H-I, Social Change, N-C, N-Y-L-A, M-I, Not in Michigan quite yet. I'm still a from my years there from undergrad, but that's another show. I didn't even know that. Oh, we can't talk anymore. After this on WCPT, we'll be back. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. This is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Armanetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at ANS Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are in studio with Todd Belcour. Uh, someday, I'm going to have to record off-air conversations and just make that my own little like <laughs> podcast for folks. Because uh, it's often that's going to be subscription based. That's yes. That's what all the every the sparks really fly and the because we've been through a lot together and uh, and I and I I know that you uh, have said some very kind things to me during the show, but I could not have done any of it without your support. I mean, like the list of people that helped me get through being in Springfield and the mission that I was on is very short. Mm. 
mm-hmm. uh, including the lack of support from the people that should have been doing it the most, which was my my previous employers. They yeah. acted as though I was a burden uh, rather than somebody who was trying to call attention to a very important subject. Uh, but there were people that like you who were champions of mine, Eddie Cruz, who is with the Firefighters oh, yeah. Unions, yeah, uh, sure. folks like that who reminded me that I was doing the right thing. Senator Dan Kotowski, uh, the, uh, Representative Stephanie Kifowit. Yeah. She and I, we tangled when I got down yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you she all come w- a long way. <laughs> yeah, she was like, <laughs> she was so like, there was a wall of no. She was just like, well, tell me how we're going to pay for it. And she's very, when she was teaching me how to be realistic about this, yeah. right? And, and it couldn't just be from a position of we're in pain. Mm-hmm. But it's not, that's not the only approach. Not, not, unfortunately, not the most useful approach mm-hmm. to appeal to legislators. Uh, Jim has been on the hold for way too long, and Jim, I apologize. Super Jim, super soldier. How are you, Jim? I, I just realized you were there. Please don't, don't, don't hold it against me, Jim. How are you doing? Hi, Teddy. Uh, uh, night off sounds like it energizes you quite a bit. A week in the Mediterranean you might do a little bit more good. Yeah, it's, it's not <laughs> I love them already. I, I did time. I took a mental health day yesterday. I hit a uh, wall. Anyway, I realized, yeah. anyway, this is kind of out of left field, but Jack Kennedy, when he heard about the missile crisis in uh, 1961, he jumped in the car with Pierre Schellinger, who was his friend and his uh, press secretary. He said, grab your testicles, which he used the street term for it. Sure. He didn't say testicles. He used the street term. He goes, you're not going to believe this. He goes, we're, we're, we've got a crisis in our midst. And this is leadership, Danny. He, he gets into the room with the generals, and they're thinking of every device, every way to, to attack this and attack that and attack that. And he's thinking it over for about 48 hours. I was only 11 years old at the time. I remember going to get a paper. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, because we did the duck and dive for years in, in uh, grammar school, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. he came to the conclusion that, no, this is not a good thing. You know, we he, let's buy another 60 years anyway. And uh, I just wanted to mention that there. Anyway, uh, that's leadership, in my opinion. But anyway, you have a great night, and thank you, Penny. Oh, thank, thank you so you, Jim. much, Jim. I appreciate it. Uh, Jim was on hold for quite a bit, and uh, I apologize. Again, Dave, I also apologize to you. I didn't realize you were there. And speaking of sort of the broad range of politics, uh, I did get a text asking about um, St- Stacey Abrams mm. and what your thoughts were on the race that she ran in Georgia, uh, why you think that she wasn't successful, yeah. and uh, and what you think perhaps, and, not, and by the way, not just in that race, but we really dropped the ball in New York. Yes. With uh, but let's let's start with Stacey Abrams first, and and what you think? Because a lot of folks think, well, but the ideas and the mission that she's on was successful in other ways. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, in many ways, she's a transformational candidate. Um, she has international appeal, but doesn't have enough support in her own state. But it's not because of any flaws she necessarily has. And I think it's important for people to hear that. Yes, she has different of uh, kind of. You know, presenting herself as a black woman and a majority white state is going to create its own issues. There's no question. Um, but there's a significant reason why she got so many fewer votes uh, than Warnock did in the in the first go around, and it's not necessarily because of, of you know Leader Abrams as much as it is because Herschel Walker was just a, a completely different kind of candidate and opponent than than Governor Kemp. Um, Governor Kemp is actually pretty well liked over there. Um, He's built a lot of relationships across the aisle uh, amongst all races and backgrounds, and he used his pulpit, his time in the governor's uh, house, 
uh, to really cement some real support. So I think, um, yes, she had nearly record low support in terms of, you know, from white men and white women and things like that. And that is an issue. I'm not trying to undermine that or say that's insignificant or diminish in any way. But I think it's important for people to recognize, especially when they kind of hold the candle up to Warnock and say, well, why the discrepancy? It's, it's really because... Warnock was running against someone who was talking about werewolves and vampires and, you know, ascribing himself to a lot of kind of fringe theories and beliefs that uh, made him very difficult for Republicans to pull the plug for. Um, So this is why a lot of Republicans actually crossed over and supported Warnock, who otherwise were very content to support Kemp. Um, So we haven't seen a last of of Stacey Abrams. She'll definitely be around for a while. Wouldn't be surprised if she puts her hat in for president. I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't ascend to some other positions in the cabinet. Uh, within the next cycle. Um, she's truly a gifted and loving person and, and someone that would be a true asset in whatever capacity she's a decides to serve. But uh, to really get to the bottom of that, I think it's really more of an essay on on the, the extent to which Kemp has been, as we mentioned before, kind of building these relationships day by day and now waiting for elections to come around to kind of start gathering things and how difficult it is to overcome that in a state that's very historically red. And so do you think that she would be someone that you'd want to see in the, uh, leading the DNC? I think she she's the perfect person for that. Um, not only has she really galvanized a lot of people, people forget how many people actually came out who hadn't come out previously just by virtue of her declaring and what she ran for, what she represents and who she is. And I think at the end of the day, we need to make sure we make more spaces for women to, to hold these prominent positions because they are carrying not just the parties uh, respectively, but our, our country, our, our communities, our households. So, I mean, in order to honor that, you need to make sure that they're front and center in every possible way. And I think that's a perfect example and a perfect place for her. And because I mentioned uh, in passing the uh, the race, this guy Santos, who has a completely imagined and fantasy-like resume, uh, now we're learning more as days go by. And you know, a lot of folks are saying that the Democrats fell down on the job of, of you know, un, uh, you know, un, un, unveiling this or discovering it and and sharing it. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, I think that the Republicans should be carrying a lot of that. They should be vetting yeah. their own candidates and. People People that they put money behind, like this is this is on them. Yeah. I get it. I get that. You know, Democrats, in my personal experience, are really good at the the circular firing squad <laughs> and taking out each other and being really horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I agree with the fact that they should have vetted and found these things. What, what's your take on what's happening in New York with this particular seat? Well, this is certainly a powder keg. I mean, there's no question that these are kind of glaring issues that with even a cursory kind of Google search, you could have gotten to the bottom of. And it makes me wonder, you know, where they're putting their money and what approach they're taking in New York um, in terms of politics. I can't imagine for a millisecond someone like this in Chicago would have a shot. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, um, different places, you know, mostly suburban district, whatever. But I do think I'm curious what's going to happen now. Um, coming out and admitting that you lied about everything that you represent and, you know, in terms of your background and your work product and your, you know, your track record. Uh, to me, that warrants stepping down uh, if, if you are a person of integrity, regardless of what your party is. But uh, he's going to fight and try to stay in there. And I, I wonder, this is a position where I think an opportunity for the Republican Party to step up and saying, put real pressure on him and then make sure he steps down. Even if they have some sort of special election or whatever, um, have some other candidate come up, whatever, even at the risk of losing. But I think in terms of your party's identity right now, it's really kind of 
flailing in the wind. Uh, what are you going to do to try to protect that and really stand up for the morals and values that you declare on a regular basis? And if you allow this person to remain in office, who's fabricated as many things as you can possibly imagine, um, then you really, not only do you lose the high ground, you may never get it back. So it's, it's something for people to think about. Yeah, it's uh, it's unconscionable that it's that, but there's so many things that happen across the country where I'm like, how did that person get into office? Mm-hmm. And there are so many people that are willing to be manipulated by their what they consider to be their traditions or ideology or identity. Yeah. And I think that's a culmination of that. Let's take a break here. We're going to check in with uh, with our with our friends from Sauce. You know, we've talked a lot about Gindo's Spice of Life, and uh, by the way, the phrase is Vampire Slayer to Texas. Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. But we're t- talked to Sarah, who works with a, a student organization that helps children in their community uh, out in the western suburbs. So let's That's talk awesome. to her when we come back on WCPT eight twenty. We're driving it home in studio with Todd Belcor, the executive director and co-founder of Social Change. Go to socialchange.site. That's S I T E to find out how you can support the work that they do and get involved. Make a difference, everyone. Tune into the Tom Hartman Radio Program, your home for news, opinion, and insight, right here on WCPT 820, where facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820, because facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Dino's Cardinal Liquors in Gurney, Illinois, and Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park, as well as in Chicago at Jarvis Square Tavern in Rogers Park and Garfield's Beverage Express Wicker Park. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. So most of you know that I am a huge fan of Gindo's Spice of Life sauces. And uh, one of the reasons, not just do they make incredible sauces, but they also partner with an amazing student organization. Here to join us is Sarah from Sauce, students, uh, student advocates for underserved children everywhere. Hey, Sarah, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing very well. How are you? We're good. And I know we talked last year, I want to, or earlier this year, I want to introduce you to my friend Todd Belcor. He works with an organization that does a lot of the same work that you do. So I'm excited to kind of bring you guys together and hopefully like down the road, maybe find ways to collaborate. But tell folks how, the, how Sauce started and how you partnered with Gindos. So one of my family's friends is a foster parent, and over the summer last year, I was just t- discussing with her how difficult it is for many foster care kids and kids in poverty to have access to education and safe home situations and resources. So I asked a bunch of my friends to come together, and we formed a student advocacy group that fundraises for local child agencies and just increases awareness. And what have you learned in the course of the work that you've done? Because Todd has done similar work in, in, at different levels. Uh, what, what were some of the things, let me put it this way, what has surprised you the most in this work? I've just been how shocked how there's just a lack of communication between, if, for example, if you go into the foster care system, you oftentimes can just get moved from house to house. and You don't really know where you're going. And there's just not a lot of information being passed from each parent and child giver. So not every kid is getting the care that they deserve. Wow. 
Todd, have you you've worked with uh, with different organizations, and I think she's right. There isn't a lot of communication. Is that just from a lack of resources most times, or not knowing that that's where re, like energy needs to be put? Uh, it's, I think it's a combination of both. Um, the person who currently runs our international film festival is actually someone who works within the foster care space who was actually previously adopted, and that's one thing she mentions and highlights that. Uh, you know, not only are kids being kind of just passed along like a hot potato, but uh, there isn't really a, a clean set of information passed along to help people transition it. So at least there is at least a softer landing for the kid and, and a more supportive environment and more preparedness on behalf of the parents that are uh, acquiring a, a, a youth. So it's, it's it's really important work you're doing, Sarah. I, I can't tip my cat en- cap enough to you and all the folks who are really spending their time um, during these really important years where a lot of people are just doubling down on books and doing so many other things to make sure you're serving not just yourselves but other people in really significant need. So thank you for all you're doing, and thank you for all you and your organization is doing as well. Thank you. What? Uh, so I asked what was most surprising. What has been? Do you have like a moment that you can remember in the last year and a half that's been really gratifying where you thought, okay, this is why we do the work that we do? Well, over the fundraiser, over the summer, we had a fundraiser where we were selling our sauces and also collecting donations. And we had a woman come up to us, and we had a conversation with her. And we were saying that we also tried to raise funds for children of parents with dependencies. Mm-hmm. And after that, she kind of broke down because her son had been an alcoholic who had left children behind. And she was glad that someone was finally mentioning that and bringing that attention, that there is a problem in our community. So it's wonderful. That is. Well, it's not wonderful. It's, it's, it's an amazing story. That you made that I connection. Yeah. yeah. No. 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 I think. I think that. Uh, and I get that. I get that. Uh, you know, we hate that people are in these situations, but it is important that they feel comfortable with someone like you, Sarah, to share their story and and also give you that energy to keep going. What are some of the ways? I mean, obviously, buying the sauce. First of all, tell people where they can find the sauce and support the work that you do. Mm-hmm. We have three sauces available available at gindos.com it's under the student advocates and charities tab and all those profits go to kids in need McHenry county child advocate center and shelter inc and i know that this is some of the classmates that you work with Uh, tell us a little bit about the, the group has it grown since you and i last talked so currently we still have eight high schoolers but we're working to expand to the college level and to other high schoolers and right now we're talking with a student at Aurora University, and he will potentially be starting his own sauce chapter later this year. It's amazing. I love that she's planning Congratulations. ahead. That's fantastic. I love, and I love that you're planning ahead because what year are you in high school right now? We are all juniors. So it's another year and a half that you've got. Uh, are you making plans? Do you know where you, are, uh, where you think you want to go to college? I don't know yet, but I do plan on leaving the state and bringing sauce with me. (laughs) Why do you want to leave it? No, I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, Are you going to start doing something? You want to go experience something else, right? What? Sorry, I didn't hear that. You want to go? You said you want to leave the state. Uh, You want to experience something else so that you know, you know, more of what's out there, right? 
Exactly. Yeah, I uh, I highly encourage uh, if you if you or your parents or anybody in your world wants to know how to set up a, a, a like sort of and I should do this. Uh, I did a route where I flew into one city and then I took Amtrak and trains through an entire like college tour. Hmm. Um, I, I can I can talk to your folks or your your uh, your whoever is helping you out with that. Uh, I highly recommend visiting some college campuses yeah, to get a feel idea. for it. Yeah. Uh, do you? Oh yeah. Do you have? Uh, is there a part of the country that you like more than others? Like the East Coast? You're thinking maybe somewhere warmer, like the the West Coast. I like the East Coast. I find it very beautiful. I I, I love the East Coast. I was and I took Griffin off to the West Coast too. But for whatever reason, the East Coast speaks to me, yeah, and I know it's a lot the work charm exactly. I th- and I know that the work that you do will translate wherever you go. Uh, what are some of the things that you think right now? I know you're, you know, sixteen, maybe seventeen. What, what do you think you'll want to study when you go to college? I'm actually actually interested in medicine, especially pediatrics. Oh, fantastic. Well, and that's another aspect of what you're talking about is underserved children. That has to be a big component of it, too. Have you found that there are kids that can't get into, you know, get appointments with doctors or, you know, there's that element of, uh, you know, putting things off, isn't there? Yeah, actually, part of research, my friend and I were actually looking into, like, the Medicaid system and how easy access to health care, it really is impossible. A lot of the times it says that there are resources offered, but when you try to book those appointments or when you're getting passed from foster home to foster home, you kind of miss those appointments and you're not getting the health care that these kids need. Oh, mm. see, that's a, th- those are, again, those stories that people don't necessarily think of yeah. when it comes to supporting kids, uh, underserved children. Again, we've been talking to Sarah from Sauce. Uh, you can go to gindospiceoflife.com and see the Sauce Student Advocates page where you can order their three sauces. And I highly recommend every single one of them. I have them in my fridge all the time. Uh, <laughs> my husband will tell you, mostly uh, food is a delivery system for Gindo's Spice of Life. Oh, it's nice. really the only reason I pick food out at all. Uh, and again, it's a group that focuses on kids in the foster care system, children who are living in, in poverty, children of refugees and immigrants, and children who are the children of uh, adults who are battling dependency on alcohol or drugs. Uh, and Sarah, I know this is a lot of work. I hope that you take care of yourself. And I can't thank you enough for those of us who are hearing your story. Thank you so much for having me on your radio show. Absolutely. <laughs> Happy holidays. Have a wonderful New Year. Let's check in again in the next, in the next few months, okay? All right, you too. Take care. Bye, Sarah. Go buy some sauce from, from Gindo Spice of Life. Have a great holiday, Sarah. Let's take a break here. We'll, we'll wrap up in just a moment with Todd Belcor, the executive director and co-founder of Social Change. Go to socialchange.site, S-I-T-E. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. Listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are wrapping it up with Todd Belcor, the executive director of Social Change. I was just talking to him about Sarah's plans for college, and I I, I love that. I love that she are. I mean, things might change. Look, I've been watching uh, Top Gun Maverick. I'm not allowed to watch it in its entirety because my husband hates Tom Cruise, which I get. <laughs> uh, I Look, the 13-year-old in me doesn't know all the BS that he was a part of, mm-hmm. but I wanted to be a fighter pilot. when I, I didn't fall in love with Tom Cruise. I fell in love with like that camaraderie and that, like, you know, that yeah. competition, and I wanted 
wanted to be a fighter pilot. And uh, I love now that there's uh, there are women in Top Gun Maverick, and there's mm. not like a big deal made of it. That's right. When I went to the recruiting office, uh, right here, it was on Lawrence near Milwaukee. There was an Air Force, and I didn't get the whole naval aviator thing. Yeah. But I went, but I went into the naval office. I went to all the recruiting offices, and the Air Force guys said there aren't that many jobs for women in the Air Force. It was 1988. Wow. And uh, so that was. And for various reasons, I didn't go to the military. But, you know, um, listening to Sarah, I was just telling Todd off the air how I did campus tours. And, you know, the schools that I took Griffin to to visit would have been prohibitively expensive for my family when I was a kid. I didn't have the grades that Griffin does. um, And we didn't have the resources. And I'm learning now. One, that a lot of these campuses will pay for an education for families who earn less than 100000 or 70000 mm-hmm. But the University of Illinois state schools are so expensive. And I did some research on this. Mm. Do you know much about how Ronald Reagan started making college tuition more expensive in California when he was governor? No. Oh, yeah. So in, in, the 19, in 1966, tuition to the University of Illinois was less than $400 a year. Ugh. Living expenses were seven hundred and seventy-five. It was my gas bill. It was and and, and, and <laughs> like one month. and I had to dig for that. And that that's nineteen because you imagine like if it's less than four hundred before nineteen sixty-six, it was practically nothing. Yeah, and they started and, and part of it was because in, think of the number ni- the year nineteen sixty-six. Yeah, what was happening was civil rights mm-hmm. and that fight for equality on campuses. So if we make it more expensive, well, it doesn't matter if black or brown kids want to go to the yeah. university. We're going to make it. We're going to create this barrier to entry artificially. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's it's a lot. It should, education should not come at that. I mean, higher education should not be like this. No, absolutely not. I mean, this is why we're actually retarding our own progress as a country because we're doing everything we can to prevent our youth from fulfilling their potential. Yes, and that's why talking to kids like Sarah, you know, some of them they get so uplifted. It really is. And, you know, we do need to do more when it comes to the trade schools. I remember when I was in high school, I went to Lane Tech, so it had wood shop and machine shop. And then I went to U of I, and I was like, oh, we shouldn't be driving kids into these sectors just because we don't have expectations for them. And I developed this mentality of like, well, we should get rid of the trade school. Like, really, that was the move of the early the early 90s, yeah. was a move away from vocational. And then we find... That we don't have people to fill those jobs. Right. Welders and sheep. We're having all vacations all of a sudden. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a lot. We've been systematically eliminating it for 30 years. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's amazing the way in which our country handles education and higher education versus other countries. And, and you know, we we still have the arrogance to tout ourselves as the best, even though we fall behind in literally every metric. It's it's really, it's it's baffling. Well, even to what Sarah was talking about, healthcare. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can't even have a conversation with a legislator. The one that I ran against was, you know, now that she's in office, will say things like, well, it's, a little, it's just really complicated. And basically saying that nobody has the, the voice for me. It's the voice. <laughs> <laughs> and the facial expression. Well, it's really that, um, you know, there's a lot of things involved in trying to get anything done about that. Um, but it, but it, it is with. And it comes, all the legislators all come from a place of, when we talk about privilege. You know what? We should all just have the same health insurance they do. Mm -hmm. I mean. That would solve a lot of problems. (laughs) It would solve a lot of problems. What is the barrier to changing our health care system? It seems like a lack of. 
Well, it's such Urgency. A, a profit-driven industry um, that, you know, as with everything else, I mean, you do everything you can to cut corners. And one of the corners you cut is have the government give you money for services that you never render. And one example of that is what, you know, Sarah just mentioned, when when youth are struggling in the, kind of the hardest moments of their lives and they're just waiting to have the kind of paperwork be assigned and reassigned and transitioned and not be lost and all this stuff. It's every day that passes without providing our youth the basic health care they need is more money that these companies make. And it's uh, it's perverse and it's it's, it's uncomfortable and, and, and nearly evil, really. I mean, so it's... So this is why, you know, when you get involved in politics, the closer you get to some of these issues, the more you realize how uh, corrupt it is and how frustrating it is. And it's it's why we need more people like Patty and otherwise who, who kind of call, bring a light to it and really bring truth to these conversations and, and ask these basic questions that are and, and impossible to respond to in a way right. that doesn't make you sound like you're crazy. <laughs> the same way. So with social change, as we head into the new year, what are your, what are some of the things that you guys are turning your attention to? What's going to be some of the priorities that you guys are setting for yourselves? Yeah. You know, 2022, we had really a banner year. We had a festival that, you know, over 10,000 people had participated in. We were reintroducing ourselves to different markets of, in terms of in-person events, whether it be uh, working in Buffalo or Austin or different parts of the country that we haven't had a real foothold in prior. Uh, this year, we're just trying to stand pat and just build our foundation a little firmer in the, the eight states that we're in currently and continue to grow, uh, get more volunteers, spend more time intentionally uh, cultivating these relationships, doing kind of the door-to-door you're talking about, not only during election time when it's time to get people to vote and register to vote, but doing some of the surveying thing you're talking about and making sure of that people are being heard. And as we assemble our policy portfolios, we assemble our initiatives and our priorities, that not only is it guided by the people who come to us saying they need food, they need shelter, but also by the people who would never make it to us otherwise. So um, if people are interested in doing something that's a little different and getting out the house some or even helping virtually, we need you. There's no question about it. Uh, no matter where in the world you may be, uh, there is a space for you here. It's supposed to change no matter what you believe or, you know, what lever you pull and it comes time for elections. It doesn't matter. We just care that you care about others and and we care about you. So please join us, socialchange.site, and just click click the Get Involved button or direct message us or me at Shy Social Change on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and Todd Belcor, of course, if you want to message me. But no matter what, we can't do this without you. We've done so much, passing over 30 laws across the nation, providing over a million pounds of food over the last couple of years, giving you know legal assistance to over 1,000 people. And we're a very small organization, you know, um, but there's so much more that needs to be done, and we won't stop until it's all done, and we need your help to make that happen. It's been a delight to have you co-host today, Todd, and I'd love to have you back when your schedule allows. Come uh-huh. back next month in a few weeks, whatever it takes. Come on yeah. in, and uh, we'll have more conversation again. I try Todd. to be indefensive when I'm on here. <laughs> <laughs> Todd Belcor, again, uh, really delightful. And what, what are your plans for New Year's Eve, by the way? Do you have plans? You know, that's usually a family time for me. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, Chicago's kind of a little crazy during New Year's. So, I'd just rather make sure I can make it into the next year safe. So, Any expect movies? to be home. You Did know, you there's no movie tradition on that. Hmm. On that. Um, I usually watch, you know, the kind of corny network uh, bringing the New Year stuff on sure. uh, Channel 5. But,. Uh, since we are kind of in a Netflix family now, I'm sure they've got some kind of new, new stuff to check out. Yeah. No, I, uh, I I grew up watching um, Fred Astaire movies on New Year's Eve. That oh, was nice. our tradition. And then my husband always watched Marx Brothers, so we combined those. And he loves the, the Thin Man series. So we watched Thin Man. Thin Man. It's, uh, it's uh, Myrna Loy. And is it William Powell, sweetie? I can't remember. Oh, no. That's terrible. No, no, uh, no. 
Myrna Loy, definitely. I'm not going to put you on blast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will be at the Kenosha Comedy Club at the Wyndham Hotel. Uh, tickets are still available. We have two shows. Uh, I'll be co-headlining there, and we'll play a, ga- a round of What's in the Box, giving away a free T-shirt that says, Just Because You Can Talk Doesn't Mean You Should. I should probably sell this somewhere else, too. Ooh, absolutely. You need to actually make sure you... <laughs> Protect that with the trademark. Oh, I probably should figure that out. Todd Belcour, uh, lovely to see you again. Go to Social Change. Of course. Anytime, my friend. Socialchange.site. Maybe next month we'll talk about uh, the mayoral race and some aldermanic races we want to highlight. Maybe we'll get a couple of uh, candidates in studio or on the phone to talk to them about their plans for our city. Yes, it is. Lady B, thank you for everything. Love you. Uh, Have a wonderful evening, everyone. Be happy, healthy, and safe. We'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm going to have, oh, Esmeralda Leon in studio tomorrow, co hosting. Love as in the studio, and we have someone who's running for office, I believe, in Wheaton. Frank's going to join us uh, in studio as well to talk about his candidacy. Real commute, exactly. Uh, bye, everyone. My Devil's Advocates next with Mike Kurt.